We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, here we are, Ivy Nation Sports Talk on a Monday. My head is just throbbing today already, yeah, Vince. There is so much going on. And I mean, it doesn't take long once the offseason gets here. You know, like two years ago at this time, remember, it was this day two years ago at almost this exact same time that the news of Brian Kelly started oh, to get out. Remember? It was Sunday night. It was. It would have been last night. Was it Sunday night or was it Monday? I thought it was Monday. Yeah. You know what? It was Monday night because, because I, was, I was on I was, the air when it yeah. started coming out. I believe, and I was at Riley doing concession stand duty with the baseball team. Yeah, and I ended up going up to my classroom to have an impromptu show and got kicked out by the janitors at midnight because we were having <laughs> such a long show Get about him about him leaving. So I want to go home. I don't know who yeah. you're talking about, but that was really the uh, was the Monday. taking off point of the Irish breakdown. Podcasts. Oh, absolutely. There was now, a podcast before that, but that was really when things oh, caught fire. That right? that night and then into the the search and the, you know, yeah. all the offseason stuff. And that's when people really found things us. Blew and, up. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. So two years ago, Brian Kelly and Don Merriweather still trying to get back his burn ends, I guess, you know, after the fact. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, but the, you know, that, again, that was the last game of the season two years ago, only, yeah. a, you know, a little bit of, we've got so much to get to today. Marcus Freeman had a zoom press conference with the media earlier today. It wasn't one of those that was live streamed. So I know, you know, different media members have tweeted stuff that's come out of it. We're going to hear a lot of Marcus Freeman's comments on that, uh, in rapid fire, by the way, Vince, you know, this show is usually over within an hour and a half ish. At the most, we might be here for a while tonight because we've got so much to talk about. I mean, people are already stirred up in the chat. We can we can stretch it out because we're not going to get any good news here for a while, at least not from Marcus Freeman. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is 
good news, bad news, surprising. I mean, you name it, it checks all the boxes this week. I mean, today with the news that has come out concerning Notre Dame. And it's, yeah, it's very, very, very interesting. Yep. Yep. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. But, you know, when it comes to all this stuff, you know, I just want to say up front, there are going to be a million guys entering the transfer oh, portal. There were yep. some today. Notre Dame's not going to be interested in all of them. There are going to be names that are going to be floated out there, a million rumors popping up daily. We're not going to talk about all of them because, nope. you know, we're sure not going to take all of them seriously. You know, it's called a rumor for a reason. And I've said this before. There's a big difference between someone who actually works in the media especially someone who covers this beat on a daily basis. There are a lot of good bloggers out there as well, but they're not all trying to act like they have information that they don't actually have access and sources to. It's one thing to watch college football. It's another thing to have an X account, not put your name on the X account, then try to pass off other people's information as if it's your own. And I think you all know who I'm talking about, you know, at, at, at that point. Now, there are other people out there too who are going to put stuff up. You know, there are, there are going to again, there are going to be rumors, there are going to be reports. You know, you just have to figure out. You, you have to look, and I think I just saw you tweet about it before the show started. Like, if you're a Notre Dame football fan and you want to be sure what to take seriously, look at any one of the twenty people on this, or you know, twenty plus people yeah, on this, right? Beat, because there are a lot of good reporters on this beat, not just people who work for Irish Breakdown. And if it is legit information, those guys are actually going to be reporting it. Now, I realize just like with our board, you know, sometimes you have to have, you know, subscriptions or access to the board or whatever to actually get that information. But that's I just I just want to put that up front because there's just so much BS out there. You know, rumors can actually be more interesting than the truth. But, you know, they're largely just a bunch of BS that starts swirling. Well, yeah. And I, like you said, I tweeted about it. It's like, there's going to be so much nonsense out there. And the fact that people were taking what an, a guy on the Arkansas beat had to say about Notre Dame's assistant coaches, like, come on, man, like understand your source. Again, at least, at least he is some kind of reporter because I went and looked and he says that he covers recruiting for Arkansas and whatever, but Okay. You know, again, it's it's a little flimsy for him just to have that information on who who is contacting the UNLV offensive coordinator when he's talking when he's throwing like what five power five or six power five schools yeah. into that mix and, yeah. and who's contacted him. You know it, that that he would have access to all that, considering he works at Arkansas. And by the way, I just saw this come up in the tweet or in the in the chat. And uh, there is a tweet that just came out as we were starting this show. Irish center Zeke Carell is the third Irish player today to enter the transfer portal. Which is surprising and yet not at the same time, I would say. So, um, I, you know what? Pretty, pretty okay with the way Ashton oh, Craig has played. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying he's perfect. He's not, but I really like that size and more physicality they've got yes. out of the center position the last couple of games. Let me let me put it this way. Uh, and, and that's I, not I a shot I, on Zeke Carell no, no, because no, I've always thought that fans were probably a little bit too hard yes. on Zeke Carell, you know, in terms of, well, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. Zeke Carell's been a hell of a center for Notre Absolutely. Dame. Absolutely. So I, I'm not, I'm not knocking him by any means. But, you know, again, he's like, 
he's at that point in his career where maybe maybe just moving on and and going yeah. same someplace else and sort of serving the youth on this roster you know is good for both yeah. sides I, kind of thing if i was the head coach and i'm not saying that this is how it went down or, or whatever if i was the head coach at the beginning of this season zeke Carell is my starter regardless he's my starter he's a returning starter all of those different things right so he starts this season we got a chance to see Ashton Craig because of the concussion and all of that. And he's, he's really impressed me with what he's been able to do in the two games that he's been in there. And at this point, I think that it's a, it's a conversation that you have. Obviously they had him with all the kids. It would be, Hey Zeke, thank you so much for what you gave to this university. We appreciate everything that you've done. We are going to go in a different direction moving forward, but you are more than welcome to do whatever it is that you need to do or however it is you want to handle it. We, you know, thank you so much. You've been a multi-year starter for us. You've been really, really good, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's time to kind of pass the torch. And 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 that may have been a tough conversation to have if that's the way that it went down. But I think that's the right decision as well. I I, I love Zeke Carell. I love the fact that he's a little yeah. bit undersized. He battled his butt off. I mean, he was really good for Notre Dame. Yeah. But I also, at the same time, think that it is time to pass the torch to Ashton Craig or whoever wins that job because I really like what I've seen from him the last two games. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's a little bit more fleet of foot, you know, all of those different things. And so I, I think that this is a I think this is a good move. I think it's a good move for all parties involved. And that's Marcus Freeman. And I'll get to the soundbite from him here in just a minute because he kind of combined transfer portal and bowl opt-outs into the same answer when he was asked about it in that zoom today and i'll play that here in a minute again there are a million things that we're gonna get to we're gonna try to get to in this show a lot of marcus freeman's comments from that zoom <laughs> are one of him because he addressed a lot of things like literally it's amazing there's like there's like a week's worth of if we only wanted to do rapid fire there's like a week's worth of marcus freeman rapid fire content <laughs> if we wanted to but Seriously. by thursday it would you know obviously be old news we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back 
so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Irish. So Bryce was a- asked, Tyree, there's Zeke in the transfer portal and who Nana Osafa Mensa was actually the first one yeah, he's the first to one. declare today. We're going to save Nana for rapid fire because just want to space this out a little bit. Unless <laughs> right. you really want to get to all these, all the transfers individually well, up front. I wanted to mostly talk about Chris Tyree yes, first agreed. though, especially before the Zeke Carell. Uh, news came out. So with Zeke Carell, nothing but the best. You know, again, I, I agree with everything you said, and I think, you know, you agree with my sentiment as well. I think he's been a really good center for Notre Dame. He's done, you know, really good, really admirable job on some solid, not completely great Irish offensive lines, but you know, he's decided, he, he, who knows, maybe it's a conversation. I, I'd be curious to kind of hear what some of these conversations are, you know, like exactly what the reasons are they decide to move on. But Notre Dame's got a lot of really good young offensive linemen behind these current guys, you know, and ready to to kind of jump in there. Joe Walt is, you know, most likely someone we're going to have to talk to uh, talk about at some point. We'll say that so. until then. Yeah. But the Chris Tyree news, Vince, this, this like, this hits me right here. You know? Yeah, yeah. He made his announcement this afternoon on social media. I texted you and Jesse about it, and you both basically had the same response. You're like, hold it, what? (laughs) Are you serious? What is going on in the world right now? It was such a nonchalant text from you. You're like, hey, do you want to talk about Chris Tyree transferring at the beginning of the show or during rapid fire? I'm like, wait, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Come on. Dang it. Because as, as DK said, Sean is scrambling right now to change up the whole show with the defections. Tyree, get yours. I mean, that's not, I didn't have to change up the whole show, but I definitely, you know, that that was a text conversation that we had within an hour of the show starting today because I just happened to go to the site. And then, of course, I was going to check the message boards. But again, as DK says, Tyree broke the message boards. It, yeah, I wasn't even trouble. letting you log in. I was having trouble getting, like, you told me where you saw it. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to go get on the board and I got to find. And it, 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 you know, there's a lot of people on the board right now. Let's just put it that way. It's a good problem to have. Yep. And one more good one from TK. He said, this might have to be a three-hour show. No Golden Bachelor with the missus. <laughs> Tonight, out on Golden Bachelor tonight would be 90 Day Fiance Pillow Talk night is what tonight would probably be. Combination, not as much Monday Night Football because it's not like it's exactly going to be a scintillating matchup between the Bears and the Vikings. All I'm looking for is three catches from DJ Moore so I can win my fantasy game. It's I, I think it's like a, a three and a half point game going into tonight. I think you and, got a shot at that. Kyron Williams just came off the IR yesterday, and I'm like, oh, I'll wait and see. You know, he's been out for like five weeks. Of course, he has a monster game, and I, you know, so he's he sitting on up. my bench. If I had is. if I had started him, it'd be my game would be over right now. Yeah, that's true. People care much more about Chris Tyree though than they give a damn about my fantasy yeah, football team. This, um, 
this Chris Tyree. Look, here's what it comes down. Mm. Three carries this year. Uh, 26 catches. So that's 29 total touches in 12 games. He averaged less than three touches per game this season. And two years in a row with two different offensive coordinators, Vince, they did a very poor job. They just did a Mm -hmm. very poor job of getting the ball in the hands of the guy who I still think has been their best playmaker or, you know, should be their best playmaker the last two years with the speed, with the skill that he has, you know, move from running back to wide receiver. There was a transition phase with that. He's a guy, though, that you had to, with the lack of inexperience that you had at receiver, he's the guy who stayed healthy all year, and Mm -hmm. he still only had three touches a game. And, you know, we've downplayed a lot of transfers the last couple of years. This one just can't be downplayed, Vince. You cannot downplay it. Like, I know a lot of people are talking about, well, you've got these five other guys. Their best position is the slot. You know, they're young. They're they're growing. They're, they're talented, too. Blah, blah, blah. Bottom line in this, I think, is Chris Tyree wants to play in the NFL. And if you're getting 29 touches in a season where you had such, a, you know, a lack of one returning talent at, at the wide receiver position, lack of experience at the wide receiver position, and all he's touching the ball, 26 catches, 29 touches. He wants to play in the NFL. And I think that that uh, in 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 his mind, and I don't blame him, he feels like he needs to move on to give himself a better chance to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it from his point of view. I mean, and you, you, you say the numbers, and, and I get it. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, he's obviously dynamic in the return game, scored a touchdown in the punt return. He's dynamic in the pass game when you get him the football. He's dynamic in the run game when you utilize him correctly. And they didn't. They didn't utilize him correctly. And, you know, I, I was hoping, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, this is a this is a win-win for Notre Dame and Chris Tyree if he comes back for another season because yeah. he needs another full year at wide receiver to be considered a true, you know, wide receiver. And, and totally agree with that because he's not going to the NFL. Like, he's he's transferring to another school. And so he should have stuck around. But again, there's no guarantee he was going to get the ball more at Notre Dame than he did the past two seasons. And so I get that he left. I mean, you can go to a lower level program and be the dude and get the ball all the time and just show how dynamic you can be with the ball in your hands and make an NFL roster next year. So, I mean, I understand it from Chris Tyree's standpoint. I mean, if I was... The Notre Dame staff, I, I would have recruited the crap out of him, told him, look, this is how we're going to use you. This is what we're going to do. You know, all of those different things. Well, look, you but, still had a full you know, offseason. Like, you can talk about yeah, all no, these absolutely. guys are, are slot guys. You have a full offseason for all of them. Not all of them can play the slot every game. Someone's got to right. eventually play outside, regardless of who that is. Chris Tyree is a guy who you should literally be lining up everywhere yes. on the field. He backfield should, slot, he should be an excellent time yeah he should be yeah he should be on on you know both sides of the field in the slot in the backfield motioning in and out of the backfield all these different things you know there there's so many ways that they could have and should have been using him but they just weren't you know they they could have done mm. so many different things that, you know it like it heard people talk about jet sweeps all the time and they gave him the ball you know and like that didn't necessarily work out motion him in motion him out give him a quick you know like there's just so much they could have done, but they didn't. And again, you know, David 
David was uh, was calling me out for my verbiage here. <laughs> I heard it, but I wasn't going to say anything. If I said inexperience, I obviously meant to say experience, yes. lack of experience. Come on, I don't I don't call you guys <laughs> out for your grammar in the chat. You Seriously. know, so <laughs> there's been some bad ones. Yeah, I it, yeah, we're all friends. I get it. We are. I, I'm pretty all sure good. David was joking, and I'm joking as well. But I meant to say lack of experience. Obviously, you know, with the other guys at the receiver, and you know, I I haven't talked much today, and I just. As we started the show, my throat's a little raspy, and I have no idea hmm. why. So that's not good with a basketball game two days away. That <laughs> Hopefully sucks. that goes okay. Yeah, good call. But that's, you know, so Chris Tyree is moving on. There are a lot of young wide receivers on the roster. I, I hope that it really works out for him because this is a guy with the speed that he has and the versatility that he has, I think that, He's a guy when he does get to the NFL and he's going to be on an NFL roster. Like you can talk about oh yeah, you know, running backs and lack of priority for them and devalued and all this different stuff. He's going to be on an NFL roster. And I think that he's got an opportunity to do some really good things, especially yeah. depending on what kind of team he goes to yes. once he does get to the NFL. I mean, he could just be a return specialist and be just fine, to be honest with you, and make a career in the NFL. I think there's more to him than that, obviously. I think they they would need to, you know, whatever NFL team it is, you know, can utilize him and, and all of that. But, I mean, just from his uh, from a pure speed standpoint, you know, he could make it as a return guy, Sean. And I, I laugh because somebody in the chat earlier says he doesn't break tackles. I challenge you to go back and watch that punt return against Pitt where he broke yeah. like four. I was going to say there were at least three that house. I remember. Like, come on, man. Like, it's just, you know. Anyway, I, it, this is a loss for Notre Dame, pure and simple. I don't care who else is on the roster. And look, part of the reason he, he might not break as many tackles as a receiver is the lack of creativity that they're doing things with him, you know, yeah. like like getting him running away exactly. from defensive backs and, and getting him the ball. And, you know, we just we just didn't see it. We didn't right. see it, yep. unfortunately. You Agreed. Know, there's obviously – people agree there's a lot of lack of creativity – with this offense in general. And that's something else that we're going to get to here in just a minute when we yep. uh, have some of Marcus Freeman's comments about the uh, the coaching positions going forward and Jared Parker and his assessment of Parker going forward. And there's, you know, people are asking, you know, who does this fall on? Is it Parker? Is it Freeman? Is it Stucky? I, I think there's blame to go around, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think this falls on one guy or another. I think there's blame to go around whether it was Coach Stuckey not pushing to get him the ball more, whether it was Parker not getting the ball more, whether it was Freeman saying, hey, we got to dial things down a little bit, be more conservative. You can blame whoever you want, and I think there's blame to go. You can blame Ron Paulus if you want to. There, there's blame because <laughs> everybody wants to do that, it seems like, recently. That's but right. there, there's, there's blame to go around on this, in my opinion, because the bottom line was he wasn't getting the football. That's a problem. And so that starts at the top with the head coach, coordinator, position coach, duk, 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 all of them. It, it, there's blame to go around. That's the way I see it. Right. Position coach obviously is responsible for teaching the guys at his position, the nuances of the position, the plays that they're supposed to run, the, you know, in, the, in this case, the routes that they're supposed to run and things like that. And then, working with the coordinator, you know, like this is what he does best. You know, maybe we can do this with him, those kind of things. We have no idea how many of those kind of conversations took place. And, you know, again, 
looking at what transpired on the field with the lack. Uh, now, he was inexperienced as well, but with sure. the lack of any veteran presence outside of Jaden Thomas and Dion Colsey really coming into the season and with the kind of skills that Chris Tyree has, he just had to touch the ball more than three times 100%. per game. And as the season progressed and you've got all these young guys and you've got Jaden Thomas hurt and Dion Colsey is out as well, they needed to be targeting Chris Tyree, whether it's a combination of handoffs or passes, they needed to be targeting him at least eight to 10 times per game. And that just wasn't happening. Now, not even close. Yeah. Did they target him a little bit more? It seemed like it maybe the last couple of games, I'd have to go back and look at the targets again, but it just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. In some it's, it's not enough. I mean, it, it, the bottom line is it's not enough. I mean, he had two targets on Saturday and he caught both of them and they were on those RPOs, you know, the two outs. And yeah, if you, if you were paying attention to upon further review, there were other times where he was open down the field too. And the ball just didn't come to him. And whether that's, is that an OC problem? Because he called the play that got him open. Or is that a quarterback problem that he didn't get him the football? So like I said, there's blame to go around here. I don't think anybody is can escape the blame. But I will. here's one thing I will say. If we're going to blame Coach Stuckey for things, then we also have to give him credit because I believe that he turned Chris Tyree into one heck of a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Oh. Chris Tyree is a heck of a receiver, and yeah. that makes it that much more frustrating and flabbergasting yes. that he didn't yes. touch the ball more than he did, especially exactly. the second half of the season. Again, with all the circumstances that were lined up that said, this guy needs to touch the ball more. Yep. Didn't so, I mean, happen. like I said, blame to go around. Stinks that he's not going to be in a Notre Dame uniform next year. But one thing I can promise you is I'll be rooting for, you know, Chris Tyree wherever he ends up unless he's playing against Notre Dame. Yep. Okay. Plenty more to get to here. USMA 87 wants to know if the staff is on the recruiting trail today in California. The way Marcus Freeman talked today, he said they got back on campus at 6 a.m. Sunday morning from the trip from California. And he said that these conversations that we've just been talking about, and we'll play that sound by bowl opt-outs, transfer portal, all these conversations were going to begin today and run through Friday when he said the staff is going to get out on the road. So he said they're going to get out on the road on Friday. So that's my understanding based on what he said today, that they're not necessarily out on the road right now. But having, you know, like all the position coaches and, and whatever else, they're kind of taking care of this end of season, having these conversations with different players about how does the player see his future? How does the staff see his future? And then some of sure. these decisions are going to be made. And then what he said was Friday is when they're going to be out on the road. Makes sense. So also uh, kind of negates the need for that Northern California trip every other year. If that's huh. the way. And that's the way Funny. the staff's going to do it, right? <laughs> Funny how that works. Oh, let me see. And obviously all of these decisions are supported by Notre Dame because they're all coming out with the Notre Dame graphic and they're all the same. And so clearly, you know, they're going through Notre Dame to make these announcements. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, these guys aren't just going rogue like, like Pine went rogue last year. Remember that? He kind of did his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did his own little end around, scooted yeah. out the door. and Right. And that was, yeah, yeah, that was a whole weird kind of a situation. But like you can tell the three guys that have decided to go to the portal, all their graphics are identical. 
You know what I mean? And so they're obviously running it through the university. They're all well aware that this is all happening, you know, that kind of a deal. So, yes. um, so that, that, I think that's something important to, you know, get out there. So BGS of Clark Lee is getting fired. This is not something I know. Not I did, to my knowledge. I did you, Well, I, I just saw this, and this is the only reason I'm addressing it. Uh, Jalen Merricks, who is the lead writer at The Door Report, he covers Vanderbilt, is reporting that Vanderbilt is expected to part ways with Clark Lee and hire mm. Jimbo Fisher. To yeah, I heard that too. I don't know. How, I don't know. We'll see. That's the one report yeah, that I, I did here. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't, you know, I started started the show talking about, listen to the Notre Dame guys if you're talking right. about Notre Dame. And that stuff. was yesterday that he reported that. Um, and I haven't heard right. anybody else report it except for him. And so. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means. It doesn't that, make it wrong. You know, you're right. It does not make it wrong. But I would find it very interesting, number one, that Jimbo, who's being offered $77 million, would want yeah. to take over the Vanderbilt program. I I I would find it hard too that like yeah. to go from Texas A and M to Vanderbilt that would not be an optimal position for Jimbo Fisher with all the boatloads of money he's going to sit on and not have to work I would not want to take the Vanderbilt position unless he's going to sink his own money into the program Father yeah. David saying that was on the board that it was fake again I, I don't want to go down that road that's we, yeah. we've got plenty of other things to talk about right now Here, Notre Dame related here's one thing I will say Vanderbilt football Twitter account three hours ago, put out a quote from Clark Lee about him firing the strength and conditioning coach. Okay. So if he's putting out firings, I don't think he's getting fired. So that that's what I would read into that. And just to just, just to stir the rumor mill, because I know everybody wants me to do that. Um, Jake Bayless, the starting running back for Penn high school, familiar last name, right. Committed to go to Vanderbilt as a preferred walk-on and now oh, they just okay. fired their strength and conditioning coach coincidence <laughs> oh, mm. i don't know i'm just saying clark lee's got other guys on his staff you know both on the field and in different you know different support positions that came from his time here at notre dame so i would not be surprised there's a it. lot of notre dame connections down there at vanderbilt right now because of clark lee and that's one of the reasons that Jake wanted to go down there. Number one, academics is a very high academic kid has over 4.0 GPA. Great kid, all the leadership positions and everything. So he wanted to go to a high academic school and the connections that they have down there with the coaches and all of that, it, it, you know, the preferred walk on spot was very clear and very nice. And it just was a nice fit for him. So just saying, I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. Okay, moving along, Marcus Freeman did his Zoom call today, spoke to the media, talked mm -hmm. about a lot of different things in a pretty short amount of time, a little bit more than 20 minutes he spoke with us today. One of the things that he was asked about is this rumor slash report that Notre Dame has interest in UNLV offensive coordinator <laughs> Brennan Marion. So, again, this came the, the report on X came from a guy named Jacob Davis, his Twitter bio says that he covers Arkansas recruiting for the SI site, allhogs.com. He said, Notre Dame, Penn State, Oklahoma are in the Brennan Marion sweepstakes. That's a quote from his account. So I guess it's news to Marcus Freeman. Here is Marcus Freeman's response. I have no clue who that is. 
Can you? I, I don't know who that is. That's the UNLV offensive coordinator. Oh no, there's no truth to that. Um, not from from myself or anyone. Yeah. I think football program. No, there's no truth to that. Vince, typical, you know, off-season flavor of the moment stuff. Off-season gets here. People start throwing darts at the board. Fans who yeah. don't know who the guy was five minutes ago, it's like, oh, I'm infatuated now. And, you know, it's just got to be a thing. And, you know, the guy was at Texas for a year. First year as UNLV offensive coordinator this year. I mean, I think we can agree. You know, now, UNLV turned their offense around. I think we can agree that it's harder to, uh, you know, a little more scrutiny and harder to do things at Notre Dame than it is at UNLV in the Mountain West Conference. But regardless, Marcus Freeman started off by saying, I don't know who that is. That's fan- That's a fantastic answer, by the way. A fantastic answer. I I wish I, – I, I don't want to throw anybody specifically under the bus, but I just wish the, the people on the beat wouldn't feed into some of that those rumors by even asking the question. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I get that you want to get a definitive answer. Maybe that's why it was asked. But it's like, who would have believed? Who believed that the UNLV offensive coordinator, that they were actually, I mean, I don't know. I, I just find that particular rumor to be ridiculous in the first place. But yet we give it legs and we give it credibility by asking the head football coach that question. But again, I, all someone's got to do is tweet it. And then I know, I know. everyone, you know, it's, it's out there. Yeah. Everyone wants to talk about it. And I'm not discrediting what this guy says, but you know, again, it's like, we know nothing about this guy as a reporter and how factual, you know, how off, you know, what his hit rate is <laughs> with any of this kind of stuff. Anybody can say these kind of things, sure, you know, you course. could, you could rattle off in it, you know, just, just like what we were talking about with the Jimbo Fisher to, to Vanderbilt thing you know like anyone can say this stuff everyone's got a source that doesn't mean the sources are always right you know like right. source, yeah. sources have agendas as well sometimes and a lot a lot of times sources yeah. have agendas but so in any case that's what marcus freeman had to say about it i hope that means we can put it to rest you know <laughs> when he starts off that supposedly notre dame has contacted him and yeah Marcus Freeman starts out by saying, who? <laughs> so, nice. yes. That's great. Okay. The first question he actually got today is whether or not, you know, on the subject of coaching changes, whether or not he anticipates any coaching staff changes. And here is what Marcus Freeman had to say about that. I had to stall a little bit because... Actually, you know what? We'll we'll uh, we'll just jump into the assessment of okay Jared Parker. Here you go. Yeah, I think you know our entire offense staff and Coach Parker have um, done a good job of continuously trying to find ways to improve. Right, and and um, sometimes it takes uh, setbacks to figure out what we need to do to improve moving forward. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed more than anything as you evaluate the first 12 games is that um, we have to continuously find a way to perform better um, when we're playing better defenses. And they understand that and they embrace that challenge. And, and um, you know, we'll continuously work tirelessly to figure out a way to continue to have a better performance when we um, face really good defenses. And uh, But 
again, I don't want to put a, a one word or one phrase sentence on um, how I feel about the job they've done. I, again, I am uh, I have a lot of confidence in that offensive staff, and uh, but I understand the expectations of a Notre Dame football program. Right? Is that no matter who you're playing, that you you put a performance that's worthy of winning. Um, on the field on Saturdays. And so um, we will we'll figure out what we have to do to make sure um, that our performances continuously improve. Um, we will never be, I will never be okay with being status quo, with being um, average. Um, I, I want to be the best. And uh, I believe we have a staff that uh, has the same mentality and we now have to continue to find ways to make sure um, when we play in these games that we do have an output that is the best. Okay, so there's Marcus Freeman's assessment of Jared Parker, his first season as offensive coordinator. What did you think about that, Vince? I know this that's not going to make a lot of people happy, I guess, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> well, I mean, good luck making Notre Dame fans happy uh, outside of winning a national championship, and even then you're going to get people that are going to complain. And I guarantee you, if we do a post-game show after the national championship game where Notre Dame won, there will be people with negative comments to make. So you're never going to make everybody happy. That's just not possible, right? And so I have no problem with what he said because he's pretty much right. There was a lot of good things that happened this year. They need to be better against the better teams, period. And he didn't lay it all at the foot of the offensive coordinator, the offensive staff, but he said that we need to do a better job. And he's right. They do need to do a better job. And so I I have no problem with that. It was a it was a vote of confidence, but also an understanding that yeah, it wasn't good enough and we need to do better. And so I think that's the right thing to say at this point. I agree. And it, it's just when you look at the stats, the stats do say yeah. that maybe they were <laughs> maybe that. They should have been better than performance. I don't, you know, I don't know. They averaged 39.1 points a game. What have we all been waiting for? An offense that could score some points, right? It is the second most points in school history, the most since the 2012 team. So it's the best, highest scoring Notre Dame offense in over 100 years. And they averaged nearly right. seven yards per play, which also ranks second all time. You, but you heard Marcus Freeman say, look, we didn't do good enough against the better defenses on the schedule. And th that's where they have to improve. I, I think that we can all agree with that because it's kind of like the Ian Book season where I believe it was 2018 where he lit up the group of five teams on the schedule, but he hardly did anything against the power five teams on the schedule, right? And it's like you've got the same kind of split for Notre Dame between the bad teams on the schedule the good teams on the schedule. Sure. And, you know, here's here's what they scored against the bad teams. 42, 56, 41, 21, 48. The, bad, the, the 21 is obviously Duke. And, you know, I kind of bad with the grain yeah. of salt. They're still a solid defense. 48, 58, 45, 56. Against NC State, which is actually one of the better statistical defensive teams yep. in the country, 45 points. Yeah. The most points scored against NC State. So that's great, right? But – it's 14 against Ohio State, 23 against Clemson, 20 against Louisville. And I kind of went back and looked at some of these numbers. Total defense and run defense, two of the more important defensive statistical categories 
for a team. Ohio State, number three. Clemson, number six. Louisville, number 19. NC State, to me, somewhat surprisingly, but it's probably, you know, it's kind of how they ended up salvaging a season. Number 25, run defense. Louisville, number 11. NC yeah. State, number 15, better than Ohio State, which was number 21. Clemson, number 24. And then you look at turnovers gained, Clemson and NC State tied for seventh in the nation, Louisville, number 35. So, you know, again, like they played some legitimate defenses. I'm not trying to say that's an excuse because to Marcus Freeman's point, they absolutely have to be better against them. And I think that it was on the countdown show we were talking last week, Vince, not only were they worse against them, the overall offensive philosophy changed against most of those better teams on the schedule. They were much more conservative in those yeah. games. And so that's, I think, where we have to ask the question, how much of it is Parker? How much of it is Freeman? You know, right. and at the same time, it, it, it definitely felt like there was not a 100% lack of trust in Sam Hartman. Now, Sam Hartman gave them times where he did, you know, where he showed – that maybe he shouldn't be trusted. But I, but I do also wonder, like, how much is being pounded into him, like was pounded into some of these other quarterbacks we've seen under Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly, don't turn over the ball, don't turn over the ball, don't turn over. And then it's almost like you turn that into, you know, like a negative thought process, and unfortunately he ends up turning the ball. You know, again, and I'm not saying it's all on that, but there was like so much emphasis, it seemed like, on some of that conservatism. I don't know. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I think that it's the product of having a defensive coach as your head coach and and not really having to deal with the offensive side of the ball very much in his career, right? And he wants to be offensive and defensive line oriented. He wants to run the football. He wants to be conservative. He he wants to stretch a game. He wants to possess the ball, you know, all of those different things, right? Unfortunately, that is not what college football is right now. That's what college football was under when he played. You know, that that's Jim Trussell type football, right? And that's that's you know one of his main, you know, mentors and all of that. He's gonna have if he wants to be successful, he's going to have to let loose the reins offensively. You can still be dominant running the football, you can still be dominant defensively, but you're gonna have to expand things out offensively against those good defenses because look you can go back and you can watch those games that they didn't do well offensively. And it's very clear. They were not trying to push the ball down the field. They were not being creative in the pass game. They were not being creative in the run game. It was a very conservative game plan. And yes. so that's the, that's what needs to happen in the off season. Right. And, you know, we kind of talked about coming out of the second bye, right. The last two games. And again, I don't care what the competition was. That doesn't matter. You can still see what the game plan is. You can still see one play building off of another. You can see all the different things that you want to see offensively. We've seen it in the last two games. Now, if they go ultra conservative against whoever they play in the bowl game, that's a step back. But if they continue the way they've played these last two games, I think that's a considerable step forward. And I'm excited to see what the offseason brings and what they do, you know, going into next year on the road at College Station in game one, right? Can they open it up? Can they do different things, you know, with the talent that they are going to have that they have already on the roster? Can they do those things? I, that That's going to be the biggest question, Sean, is, is are these two games an aberration 
or is this the beginning of what a good offense can re- a good to great offense could be? So that that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, Michael Hahn said I didn't mention Duke. Duke has the number 45 total defense and number 54 run defense. Um, so they're again like they looked like they were supposed to be one of the best defensive teams Notre Dame played. They would be the next best basically after that group that I just mentioned. But again, they're right there middle tier in the 50s. All these other teams that I that I mentioned, NC State, Clemson, um, Louisville, and who was the other one? There was there was one other that I mentioned. NC State, Clemson, Louisville, and Ohio State. Of course, Ohio State. They they're they're all top 25 in all those categories and and most of them are in the top 10 in those categories. So so Duke next tier below, still a solid defense, sure. but you know, it just just a little bit different, not not quite in that elite echelon and you know, I agree like like I said it on Thursday or on whenever that was in our <laughs> countdown to kickoff show at the end of last week, the level of competition would matter. And that's what we saw these last two games. You know, did they did they decide they could have a more imaginative, more creative approach to offense because they felt like they were just better than some of these other teams straight up at the level of talent that they have. And they were just like most of the rest of the teams on the schedule. And, you know, the reverse side of that is because the talent level was better on some of the, with, with some of these elite defenses, did they feel like they couldn't take some of those chances again, like maybe because of the lack of experience at receiver or whatever else, I don't know, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And this bowl game, like if it is LSU, the good news is LSU doesn't have an elite defense. Oh, They've their got defense an is awesome terrible. offense. Their defense but they don't is have terrible. A, yeah, they don't have an elite defense. Yeah. And while there's going to be some talent out there, it's going to be a chance for Notre Dame to go out and make some plays. Yes, 100%. 100%. And they, they should have an aggressive offensive game plan against that defense if that's who it ends up having. You know, you and I are going to be the first ones to be able to talk about it next week because that's going to come out on Sunday, right? And so, you know, we'll have a chance to talk about it. And, and LSU's defense is garbage. And yes. they'll probably have a bunch of opt-outs too, which will make them even worse, which will be even more fun. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know what Notre Dame's is going to look like yet. So. Well, that's we fair. Your chickens yet. So yeah. we've already yeah. got Chris Tyree and Nana and, and Zeke all leaving. So this um, is true. That's, that's a very – so, I mean, right now with the three guys that have left, that does not, you know – shake my confidence in in Notre Dame's ability to win a bowl game obviously um you know when you when you look at it right but it hurts your depth at the at defensive line not having Nana it you know it I I wonder if Zeke would have started the bowl game you know I wonder if maybe they had already turned the page I was I wondering I that know. as well like yeah. you know, because you would assume that by the the bowl game he's going to be back from concussion protocol right. and it's like the way Craig had has, you know, has played the last couple of games. I was wondering like maybe what that would look like. And that's obviously not going to be yeah. a factor now, nope. unless Ashton Craig is hurt. You know, we'll assume that he's going to be out there starting at center for Notre Dame. And again, like going back to that, I've been pretty happy with what I've oh, yeah. seen overall with, with Craig. It's j- again, just the, the physicality from the center of the line, the size and the physicality that he brings. I feel like he can stone some guys there in the middle. Yeah. Maybe Zeke was a little too small yeah. 
to stone yeah. sometimes. Agreed. You know, agreed. I mean, I will never question the effort of Zeke Carell. I think I no, not he, at all. He, yeah, I thought he don't did a great it, job. Don't mean it like that. It's just sometimes he was physically outmatched. I mean that that that's just a fact. And and sometimes because he was physically outmatched, he would just stalemate a guy, which isn't terrible. Like you stalemate a guy, at least he's not getting into the backfield, right? But you know, having a bigger, stronger guy in that spot is not a terrible thing either. So again, I think that was a mutual parting of ways. And I think that's that, you know, it's not a terrible thing for Notre Dame. It's not a terrible, terrible thing for Zeke Carell either. So uh, that one I'm okay with. So as long as there isn't like a, a wave of guys to announce and God only knows that that could be the case. Um, I still like Notre Dame's chances moving forward, or at least in, you know, in the bowl game. For people who are just, Jumping in with us right now, we do have a few more people than we had at the start of the show because I've seen like some questions pop up, including with this super chat from Jacob released Zeke Carell to the portal. Thanks for the super chat, Jacob. We did talk about it earlier in the show. And again, I'm assuming you're one of the guys who got in a little bit late. But uh, yeah, so Zeke Carell, Chris Tyree, and Nana Osafa Mensa all in the transfer portal today. Those are the first three guys in the portal for Notre Dame. We will see kind of how that plays out in terms of others. So we started off with Marcus Freeman's comments on Jared Parker and his assessment of Jared Parker there. He was also asked, and I did find it, I had my uh, my cuts kind of scrambled around here because I cut so much audio <laughs> today. Seriously. He was asked if, if he anticipates any staff changes this offseason. So here's Marcus Freeman's response to that. Yeah, if it's up to me, as I just told the coaching staff at our staff meeting, um, I have a, a strong belief in the coaches that we have in this football program and, and would love all of them to be back. There's, there's obviously places that we have to improve on all three phases, and um, the coaches understand that and uh, they definitely are up for the challenge. But – um, the thing I've learned in this short time as, as head coach is that consistency is so important. Um, you know, I looked at where we were last year defensively at the end of the season to where we are now. Um, yes, the personnel continues to improve, but the the consistency in what we're doing, um, the consistency in our coaching staff, I think truly impacts the performance. And um, that's why we've been able to improve so much on the defense side of the ball. And, and as I look at as our offensive side of the ball, you know, this is the first year for this group to be together. And um, I've seen a lot of bright spots in, in places that we have to improve. And, uh, you know, the biggest things I told Coach Parker and his staff is that, you know, we have to improve our performance, especially those big games versus good defenses, because um, those are the type of teams that we have to find a way to beat if we want to be a championship program. And so, um, but I believe that, that we have the coaches that um, will help continuously move this performance forward and um, enhance what we do so that we do find a way to win those big games. And so um, I think back to my first year as a coordinator and our, our staff, we, we had a great staff and, and I think we finished it when I was at Cincinnati, 90 something in the country. And thank God coach Fickle didn't make a change, you know, in that he gave me and the staff the ability to work through um, some of the deficiencies that we had and we were able to prove. And so, um, that's the same thing I've just reiterated to our coach staff is that I believe the number one thing is the consistency in terms of what we're doing so that our players can continue to um, play at a high level, play fast, and uh, 
um, you know, be able to enhance as we move forward. So there you go. Here's it. There, there are his thoughts on, uh, you know, overall staff changes. I will say this, like, while it doesn't sound like Marcus Freeman has any obvious intentions of making changes, not, none that he's going to tell us about right, right now, odds are someone's going to be plucked. Yeah. So, you know, Al Golden it's going to be out of obvious, his control. Al Golden is the obvious candidate. And, you know, there were other guys who were nearly plucked last year. And Crying Belly had the comment, I'm just scared to lose Coach McCullough. Uh, he'd be I the think, first one on my list that's probably going to go. Yeah, and because he's that good, you know, and that's that's if it's up to me as I oops, that's you know, part of the the good problem to have, I guess. When you hire good coaches and they do good things, then they're going to move on and get opportunities. Yeah, it yeah, you know, it it stinks for you, especially for the short term, because then you've got to go out, find the replacement, you know, all that different stuff. But it's also good for the program because it means that you are also empowering them to make their decisions and their decisions within the program matter. And they're developing guys the right way. They're recruiting guys the right way. And I mean, Dylan McCullough has just been killing it in both, both as a recruiter <laughs> and as a developer. And and that would be a tough one to lose Vince. Yeah, no, it would be, it would be terrible. Um, I, you know, Every head coach, unless there's glaring issues, right, it, it wants to maintain their staff because continuity is super important when it comes to a staff. I mean, some of these guys haven't even been on the staff for a year, right? And so, you know, having that continuity, I think, is super important. And I, of course, I'm hopeful as a Notre Dame fan that they all stay intact because, look, here's the other thing that I think is is somewhat comical, right? You've got the two coaches that everybody wanted fired last year were Al Golden and Al Washington. Am I right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody's saying that now. Right. Right. And so, you know, and that's, oh, and that's what Marcus Freeman was addressing there right. at that end. Like he had the 90th ranked defense his first season as defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Things right. obviously worked out for him as a young coach, because I know I realize it's, it's a little bit apples to oranges when you're comparing an experienced coach like Al Golden to an inexperienced coordinator like Jared Parker. But the Marcus Freeman that Marcus Freeman just told us about was an inexperienced defensive coordinator as well. And it didn't take him too long to become the hot commodity lured by LSU coming to Notre Dame and becoming the head coach at Notre Dame within just a year. So, He's closer to this situation this we, than we are. You have to trust his feel, I think. I, I realize that right now it might not look like Jared Parker is the long-term answer, but you just said it. It was just a year ago that those two guys, Golden and Washington, no one would have cared if, if they would have walked out the door at any point. And look how differently you feel about him just a year later. Exactly. Exactly. So – Give, give him some time and you're going to, I, as long as things change at the top with the philosophy and, and all of that, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. And I think you're going to see fruits of that labor because there's also a ton of talent that's very young and there's talent that's coming in and they're, they're going to like, people aren't saying Notre Dame's not fast enough anymore. People aren't saying Notre Dame's not athletic enough anymore. 
Now it's a matter of making sure that those guys are able to make plays and you're scheming guys open and you're doing all of those things. If they can keep everybody that's on the staff, that is not going to happen. But if they can keep all 10 assistants on staff going into 24, you're going to reap those rewards. Yeah, And look, I'm not saying I'm 100% that it's going to happen or I believe that it's going to happen with Parker. But again, like Marcus Freeman believed in the two defensive coaches we just talked about and the feel about them is completely different. And when you do start to have some of these other guys coming in, that changes some of the dynamics as well. The the biggest thing, three biggest things, I think, especially, well, one or two, I don't know if I can count. Biggest things, teams got to figure out how to go on the road and play more consistently on the road, not turn the ball. I mean, look at the turnovers in the last three games. Cause like you can forgive them to an extent with Louisville and Clemson, just because of, again, like when you look at how good those defenses are, you can, you can forgive that to an extent, but two completely unforced turnovers by Sam Hartman in the first half, both the fumble and the interception. And and then, you know, nearly another fumble and two other turnovers afterwards, they were, you know, they turned the ball over 12 times in their last four road or last three road games. Yeah. That is just that. And that's, so it's not just like, is your focus there? Whatever else, like you're, you're a a completely different team. So they've got to get that figured out when they go on the road. And again, just the game plans when they're taking on these better teams, you can't, yeah, you can't pucker up. You still got to go for it. And (laughs) you got to go out there and play big boy football when you're going up against these better teams. You can't just, become a conservative team out there can't happen agree completely absolutely agree and they've got the guys to do it they've got the guys on the roster to do it even with these three guys that are transferring you still have plenty of talent on this roster plenty hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, Game Time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, 
Create an account and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. So, Sam Hartman, bowl game. You might remember Sam Hartman, after the Wake Forest game last week, said, hey, I got two more, is what he said. So I asked Marcus Freeman today if he has had any specific conversations with Sam Hartman about whether or not he is definitely playing in Notre Dame's bowl game, whatever bowl game that happens to be, and here's what he said. I plan for Sam to, to play in the bowl game. Um, and and obviously when he said that, I think that's where his head is too. You know, we'll have to have a meeting to make sure it's it's there, it's still there. Um, but again, that's what these conversations are for. And unless I hear otherwise um, through a conversation, you know, my plan would for Sam Hartman to be our quarterback for the bowl game. So there you go, Vince. He's go. planning on Sam Hartman playing in the bowl. You good with that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I, I um, You know, unless Sam decides he doesn't want to be there, then that's fine. You you don't bench the guy that's been starting for you all year. I, you just – if he's available, he plays, period. I, I have no problem with that. None. I agree. And, look, I get the perspective – of people who say, well, develop the young guys, all that kind of stuff. That happened last year, right? Like, you didn't really have a choice because Tyler Buckner came back and Drew, <laughs> Drew Pine bolted. So who else were you going to play? But look, it gave, jelly, baby. it gave Drew jelly. Pine or it gave Tyler Buckner a chance to play. And he yeah. played pretty well. Now, he committed some turnovers himself. But you brought in the transfer portal quarterback and he ended up transferring after yeah. the fact. Like, so who's to say you play Angeli and or Menchie? You know, maybe you play both of them in the bowl game. Sure. They've Freeman's already said they're bringing in a transfer portal quarterback. So what good does it do you if you're bringing in a portal quarterback and then one of those guys ends up transfer one or both ends up transferring just like what happened last year? Like sure. what? What and good I, is that going to do you doing that? And the goal of the game is still to win. And we're going to get to the opt outs. We're going to the goal of the game is to win. And Sam Hartman. Yep. Marcus Freeman obviously feels like Sam Hartman gives him the best chance to win. Warts he does. He does. I mean, and, you know, I understand what fans want to see. They want to see the new shiny toys. And they, a lot of them look at bowl games as that they don't matter and all that. Folks, I got to tell you, there's a big difference between nine wins and 10 wins. This bowl game 100% matters. It 100% matters. It yep. matters a lot because winning this game, you can look back and be like, 10 win season for Marcus Freeman. That, that is so, so important, okay? So yes. this game matters. This game absolutely matters. And especially if it does end up being against a team like L- – you know, especially if it's LSU. This oh, my gosh. Game, do you want Steve Angeli going up against LSU or do you want right. Sam Hartman going up against LSU? Exactly. Like, just look at it that way. We don't yeah. know for sure that that's who it's going to be, but that's the most projected yeah. team for Notre Dame in the bowl. Look at it that way. And, yep. and it's not a shot at Angeli. The guy is obviously a lot less – experienced i'd rather have sam hartman leading my team out there and it's still the 23 version of notre dame football this isn't 24 yet you don't just bench a bunch of dudes who were starting for you because it's a bowl game that's what your 15 practices are for 
that's where you start getting guys ready for the next season and you get, you know, and all of that. That's what those extra 15 practices are for. Not the game. Not the game. Now, if Hartman goes out there and lays an egg, okay, you bring in whoever's next. Uh, that's fine. I would do that at any position, right? But you you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. That, that's not how this works. Correct. Correct. Again, look, I get it. You think that they should be playing some young guys? If, if that's the hill you want to die on, that's fine. But I disagree. We're just going to have to agree to disagree with yeah. that. It's This is not an exhibition game. Like, technically, exactly. it kind of is an exhibition game, but it's not an exhibition game because it matters for the stature and the status of the program. And, well, we'll actually hear about that right now because Marcus Freeman uh, also talked about the opt-outs and the conversations they are going to be having with guys this week about both opt-outs, transfer portal, all that different stuff. And he led into kind of some other stuff along the lines with the bowl game as well. So here's his response. Um, as far as opt-outs, we, you know, we got back probably about six in the morning on Sunday and uh, I gave the, the coaches and players off and um, we'll meet as a, as a, uh, uh, entire team today at 240. Um, and so part of the discussions I had with the coaching staff this morning was we do have to have those conversations with the guys in our room about bowl game, about their future here. Do they plan on coming back? Do they plan on transferring? Do they plan on leaving? That's a part of college football. And um, we have to have those conversations. We have not yet in terms of um, who will and who won't play in a bowl game. Again, I don't expect um, – every single person on this team to, to play in the bowl game. That's just the trend right now. Uh, you know, my previous two, two bowl games, but obviously in college football too, but I do want um, our team to understand how important this bowl game will be to our football program. And um, you know, it's an important game and, and we want to finish this thing off the right way. So we'll have those conversations this week, um, starting today through uh, Friday when we get on the road and um We'll figure out from there um, our plans moving forward. Um, as far as health, I expect um, everybody to be back by the bowl game, uh, other than those guys that have season-ending injuries. But guys with soft tissue injuries, um, uh, I do plan to, to get everybody back by the time we play in a bowl game. So there you heard Marcus Freeman, and you heard some different bits. The stuff that I was talking about, you know, in terms of the coaches being on the road, he talked about they'll be on the road by Friday, they're having these conversations with the players this week. But he started into the conversation about the importance of the bowl. And a follow-up question that I asked along those lines was, in his experience, how much does the bowl matter in terms of you know whether or not players are going to opt out slash how much does the opponent matter? Because uh, it had been asked about the possibility of LSU in there as well. So here's the response to that. And then we can kind of talk about all of this at once after you hear from Freeman. I would hope it doesn't. You know, the reality is, is that some people say, well, we're not playing in the playoffs or for a national championship. Um, why would I play? But, you know, I'm pretty sure after the Louisville game, there was an understanding we probably aren't going to make the playoffs um, with two losses. And, uh, you know, I appreciate these guys that continue to um, commit to this football program and to their teammates to uh, continuously finish out this season. And um, that's my message 
to all of our players is we'll meet is that, you know, game 13 for us is really no different than any game after we lost to Louisville, right? Is that um, this is about finishing off, um, you know, this season with your football team. And uh, um, that's my message to them, right? Is that if it was only about a national championship and you had that decision, you could have made, you know, earlier in the year. And so, you know, now every individual is different, right? And, and every individual has to make a decision that's best for them. And as a head coach, I love these guys and I'll always support them, but it's my job to give them my opinion on um, the importance of this bowl game and finishing this season off the right way. Too. So there's the response. You heard it all there, Vince. But again, you know, he talked about He's trying to drive home the importance of this game. And yeah. I did like what he said about after you lost to Louisville, you were out of playoff contention at that point as well. So there's no difference between any of the games that were played after Louisville to this point and one more game in the bowl game in terms of yeah. you know how much the game means and, and all that kind of stuff. So what did you think when hearing all that? Oh, he's, a, he's absolutely right. And I think that's the consistent message that you uh, – have to send to the players like we're not just going through the motions here like this is important there's a reason that we're going to play this game we're not opting out of a bowl game like we're as a as a program right we're not taking a vote like they did when weiss was here about going to a bowl game like that's not what we're doing (laughs) we're going to play in this game when we strap it up between the lines it's important and they all understand why it's important okay because again nine and four is way different than 10 and three, man. Like I know it's only one game, but that is a massive difference when you're looking back and we can all be disappointed with only 10 wins this season. And you are more than welcome to do that. I'm disappointed as well. But again, there were, there were good things that occurred and there's there, there, they still took a step forward. It wasn't as big of a step as we all wanted, but they still did take a step in the right direction, especially if they hit this 10 win mark. And so it is important. It's very, very important. Now, if we're going to talk about the transfer portal, we're going to talk about opting out for the NFL and all of those different things, what people have to understand and the reason that we're seeing guys already declaring for the portal is because they shrunk the portal window this year. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Two Sean. weeks. I've had yeah, a couple they, stories about the portal out yeah. there on the website already. Yeah, so, so they shrunk. You, so you're or at least well they were aware. part of notebooks or something. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a – it's it's a shorter window. It's this 30 winter. days. That's yeah. it. It's 30 days, and it is from uh, next Monday, I believe, December 4th, for 30 days, which puts it right after Notre Dame's bowl game if they end up in the ReliaQuest Bowl, which is January 1st. And so you can't wait until January 2nd. You can't play in the bowl game, wait till January 2nd to declare that you're going into the portal because that doesn't give you any time to contact coaches, go visit program. Because remember, when you go into the portal, you are now a recruit again. You're visiting campuses. You're talking to coaches. You're doing all these things. And legally, you can't do any of that until your name is officially in the portal. And once you decide that you're going to the portal, you're done at Notre Dame. They're not going to play you in the bowl game. And so if you're planning to transfer, you can't play in the bowl game just because of the timing of it. You just... You just can't. There's not enough time afterwards. So, yeah, it's um, it, it's rough. It's rough, but that's the way it is. 
And so every every person that's going to go, they're going to go and they're going to make their they're going to make it known quickly. Two portal windows. The first one that, as you said, starts a week from today, Monday, December fourth, and runs through January second. There you go. So that is that is the first portal window, and the spring window is April sixteenth through April thirtieth. So just right, two so weeks. Spring ball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But this window, yeah, is a a little bit more abbreviated. This winter window is a little bit yeah. more abbreviated. I believe it used to be 45 days, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds so right. Yeah. You you had the opportunity to do it kind of after your bowl game. And, you know, last year, Sam Hartman declared after the bowl game, even though there were kind of some rumors out there, but his bowl game was December 23rd. Right. And so he it, it wasn't January 1st. That's a big difference, right? And right. so, you know, again, it, it's just different. You have to make these decisions based on, the information that you have, the timetable well, you have, all that. And I heard you and Brian and Ryan talking about Transfer Portal in, I believe it was the post-game mailbag. And the timeline that I remember is, because I think Brian kind of had his timelines in terms of actual Sam Hartman news. Gotcha. It was early December from, from kind of what we understood that Marcus Freeman – told the quarterbacks, Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, we're bringing in a transfer portal yes. quarterback. Yes. Now, Pine was also, you know, kind of told, oh, and by the way, Tyler Buckner's probably going to start <laughs> in the bowl game. And that and so was Drew like... Pine, yeah, Drew Pine leaves early December after yep. getting that news. It wasn't, you're right, it wasn't until after Wakes, there were, there were rumblings that were starting. So, you know, so they told him a portal quarterback was coming in. Didn't say necessarily which one. Right. And then the rumblings started with Drew or with uh, Sam Hartman after Wake Forest Bowl, like you said, December 23rd. And then it was early January that he actually, the news broke and and he was on campus and the rest is history, basically. So right. it was, it was definitely spread out a little bit more in terms of all yes. that stuff. Right. And we already know that Notre Dame plans to go bring in a transfer portal quarterback this year as well. So, yeah, and he's made that get ready very, very clear. And so whether that's a depth guy that they go get, like everybody's talking about, or whether that's, you know, a, a starter or somebody that's going to compete for the starting position or, you know, whatever the case may be, they're going to get a portal quarterback, folks. So, yeah, like you said, prepare yourself for that. It's happening. Yes. Definitely happening. And good. Yeah. This, this from Josh earlier, just remember – this is the last year for the COVID guys. I think uh, so the portal will be heavy with fifth and sixth year guys. They see the talent coming. Thanks for your service, but you had four or five years. And it, basically the 2020 season, remember, that was the COVID yep. season. Yep. And if you were a freshman that year, that was the last class to get the extra year of eligibility. Now there's still some 2019 guys, and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember if Nana – because this was already his fifth year, so it's 23, 22, 21, 20, 19. Yeah, so he would have been a 2019 so guy, and he still year. gets a sixth year right. because he didn't play right. that year. So the 19 guys are still part of that. Like, if you were on campus during that 2020 season, you were part of that as well. But the 2020 class of freshmen, the 2020 class is the last one that gets that exemption, you know, the COVID exemption for the sixth year. But you're right. There is a glut out there. So you're going to see a lot of movement. Oh, yeah. Because it is, 
it is in a lot of these cases, I think, a decision on youth versus all this experience. And if you're still a role player by the time you're a fifth year guy, you know, then what's what's the benefit in keeping that experience versus getting you know some more of that yeah. young talent that you've been recruiting on the field? For sure. 